Welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss. I'm joined by Jonathan Faduba, and we are ready for another interesting, action-packed episode. Fresh from our traveller on the show here, Jonathan, who has been over in Sweden. Welcome back, my friend. I hope you had some great travels. Hi, Steve. Hi, everybody. Yes, I am uh, sadly back in the UK from uh, an amazing trip to Gothenburg. Uh, really had a great time reconnecting with a lot of people. And of course, uh, if you follow us on Twitter at Nordic Football, hopefully you might have seen some of the match action and things like that. I was posting uh, some clips of the city and that. But uh, yes, now I'm back in England and uh, back to normality, but I had a fantastic time. Yeah, I'm glad you had a great time over there. And um, we've got some uh, some sort of uh, after-match interviews with some players that you got from the games that you took in. You certainly didn't lack for seeing goals, did you, Jonathan? You were in attendance for the Hecken game against your garden and the EF Core against Degaforce. I mean, EF Core have never scored so many goals, have they, in recent times? And you turn up as a lucky charm. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I know you were really looking forward to this this trip into Gothenburg. And of course, you lived out there for several years in the past, very familiar with the area. I know you've not been over there since COVID time. So, um, I mean, you, there was a lot of excitement for you heading back over in, into Sweden. How was the feel of the city? Yeah, it was really good. It was uh, it was funny because when I arrived, uh, you get a bus basically into the, into the city centre from the airport. And... I used to live, like, I briefly lived in uh, in Gothenburg for a bit, and I lived in Hissingen, and I, which is where Beko Haken is based. And uh, I mistakenly took the bus all the way to Hissingen. <laughs> the, the airport bus, I got off at the wrong stop, as if I was going to Hissingen, which is um, instead of like going to where my hotel was based. So I suddenly got to the central station. I was like, wait a minute, I'm in the wrong uh, wrong area. But um, what what it, what it allowed me, Steve, was a little view of the bridge that crosses into Hissingen um as my first port of call sort of thing and i was looking trying to get back into the city and just looking at that bridge mate that magnificent bridge it just it brought back a lot of memories like 4 a.m sort of trying to get home and stuff like that and you know after a night out or just like um just going home in general across that bridge and uh yeah that bridge has, has got a special memory for me Actually, i think i tweeted a video of like crossing into it the next day I on the way to the hacking yeah but um yeah you couldn't you sort of Gothenburg split into two parts basically and you cross this sort of bridge it's a port, it's a port city of course um, and that bridge yeah just brought back a lot of memories a lot of reminiscing uh, I was fortunate enough to see some old friends uh, some people that you know Steve of course uh, who uh, we worked together previously with uh, caught up with a good friend of ours Sam Hart and yeah uh, some people at EFCOR as well that I, I knew from when I was there um, so yeah, it was uh, it was emotional. It was quite emotional actually to be back in in in, in Gothenburg, and um, it's a city that's definitely close to my heart. Yeah, and uh, of course, Hissingen, that is uh, and actually an island, isn't it? I think you were you once told me it's where Beko Hecken are located, famously where you did that interview with Sonny Carlson all those years ago. <clears throat> um, and during that interview, of course, he said the ambition is to win the league. And they got the you know that incredible title last season. But um, I mean, you was out there. You were out there for the midweek round. Sweden is is now uh, seven rounds old actually. Um, but I'm just going to run through the results from round number six, which was midweek. There were some absolute thumpings on the card. It must be said. Um, not in Mialbi though. Mialbi nil, Aikor nil, Kalmar two, Sirius two, Hecken with a four win against your gun. You were in attendance for that one. Elfsborg smashing Helmstad 6-1. Uh, 
Bromapoy can have continued their good form in the one 0 win against Varnamo. Malmo six, Varberg nil. Um, away away win there for Malmo. Norshipping beat Hammerby two nil, and then EF Cor Göteborg beat Degger for six nil. Another match that you were in attendance for. Uh, we've got most of round seven is complete. I will run through the scores. Uh, Malmo continued a hundred percent record. Three one win against Icor. Hamstad shock win one nil against Hecken. I don't think anyone saw that one coming. Elfsborg with an amazing come-from-behind win um, this evening. 4-3 against Sirius. Jorgan 3, Kalmar 1. Norshaving with a 2-0 win against Degafors. And a 0-0 draw between Bromer Poikin and EF Core. Um, you know, the table looks like this. We've still got two matches to play this round. But Malmo, 100% record. Seven wins out of seven. Elfsborg in second and Hecken in third. So, yeah, I mean, it was a round where there was a lot of goals around, some big beatings. Uh, we're going to start in, um, in in Gothenburg. The first match you were in attendance for was Hecken, the defending champions against Jorgarten, who uh, won the league, was it two or three years ago now? I can't remember, Jonathan, but um, two recent champions in the league anyway. Um, I mean... I saw some of the, the highlights of this game. I saw some of your tweets and the videos. It looks like the atmosphere was good. Yeah, the, well, the first last time I was there, they were not champions. And obviously, this is the first season they've been champions uh, ever. Bikwak and defending champs. And uh, it was nice going back to the game um, to see them. So I took the bus over uh, from central Gothenburg to, to Hissingen. Uh, when I had a little walk around, had a cup of tea. Um, famously, Swedes are not really familiar with tea. Um, the cafe I had to ask they they were asking me what is a tea and how do I make it basically <laughs> do I I think the guy asked me do I do I put the water with the milk first or like he was totally confused um in some bar in Hitsingen but yeah I had a little pre-match uh, drink then I took a walk to um need to give a shout out to hang on let me just get the right pronunciation um took a walk over to getting target which is on Wieselgrenzplatzen, which is like a little, basically a pre-match, like a hangout spot for Hacken fans. It's really cool. Never actually been there before. Um, there's like video games and uh, a massive pub. It's really nice, like basically a Hacken pub. Um, the fish and chips looked amazing, by the way. I really wanted to stay and have fish and chips, but I didn't have time. Um, so it was very busy as well. See fans, you can buy like sausages, hot dogs. Um, so had a little walk around there with a couple of people. Um, met a good friend of ours had a, had a had a cheeky beer and then uh walked over to the stadium which is about five minute you know five ten minute walk tops um inside the stadium obviously we were accredited so it took, nordic pod had the, had the treatment we got the media media seats um and yeah i just it felt really nice to be back there and and i think in terms of the game itself they will say one four one they're one nil down at half time joel asoro scored and um didn't, didn't really have a good first half heck and they looked a little bit kind of off it uh, and I think the manager apparently I read a post match. Per Metis Hogma asked the, ma- the players like, "How many goals can you score in the second half?" And uh, they went out and answered it with four goals in one half. Uh, Lars Olden Larsen scored twice, and Evan Hovland two goals from the centre back, uh, both from set pieces. So second half they just they just turned it up. They just turned it on. They were really good, and um, the fans were. One thing I noticed is like there's a lot more fan Hacken fans at the stadium than there was when I was there. Uh, obviously the success you know that that, that creates more more support. And they were really loud. They had. I felt like the fan culture was um, a lot stronger. You know, the fans were really getting behind the team, even at one 0 down, um, and kind of carried carried them, helped them along in the, in the second half. Um, and yeah, they just upped the game. You know, Hacken have got some really nice footballers. Um, and yeah, in terms of the game itself, 
I had a couple of uh, sort of observations, I think. Um, but yeah, like 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 I say, Soro got the poacher's goal, and um, then it was headers from a corner from uh, Hovland. Lazon Larson's uh, his goal, his first goal was unbelievable. Twenty five yard curler, top corner. I just put him on my fantasy team, so I was delighted with that as well. Um, but the the big player in the game for me, Steve, was uh, I think uh, Gustafsson. Samuel Gustafsson, I thought he ran the show from midfield. I thought it was exceptional. Um, Hackham really good. They they play these nice triangles, the patterns of play. Um, I really felt they were a complete team. It's a bit strange now because they've just lost their most recent game against Hampstead, but I really came away from that game feeling like they're a complete team. Hackham, you can they can play from set pieces. They can play sort of passing triangles. They can play in patterns of play, you know, and if if you want to sort of take them on and press high, they can play off the counter-attack um, in behind you uh, with the pace that they have in forward areas. And they can also play through the lines as well. Players like Regard, Gustafsson, they can play through the lines. So if you play a deep block, they can, they, that's fine. They, they can pick you apart. So I really came away from it feeling like they were a complete team um, in many ways. And I think they will challenge for the title. But of course, the only worry is maybe the defence. And they have had a few injuries. Um, and those one or two ish- issues that I think maybe um, they have to worry about against this amazing Malmo team that we discussed last week. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was really, really nice to be back. Um, you know, the stadium is exactly the same. It's a nice little uh, Bravid Arena. It's, it's sort of nice and pokey. It's not a big stadium, but it's, it's it, it does the job. And, um, you know, they must be really looking forward to sort of Champions League football there. You know, I, bet they're, I bet they're buzzing for it. But the fans in general and the atmosphere was was really good. Yeah, Lars, um, Lars Olden Larsen. Um, I remember him at Mjøndalen actually in Norway. Had um, had a decent second season there actually with them. I think they uh, the manager changed him into a striker actually there at one point. But um, he didn't do an awful lot last year's year for Hecken. But he started this year like a house on fire. He's actually forced me to bring him um, him into my fantasy team against my best wishes, but I had to bring him in. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we know this team's full of goals. We know on these, certainly at home, they can outscore literally anyone. Perhaps can they dig in on a tough grass surface at where side like Halmstad? Maybe this year they can't. But um, Evan Hovland with two goals there. I mean, I know he's he's very useful. He's a big leader for them, isn't he? Did you notice him in his presence on the field that has maybe been the difference, making you know, converting this team into champions from last season? Yeah, he he had a difference. Um, <clears throat> I think they they actually played uh, a sort of a unfamiliar back four because Sandberg played as a centre back, which I don't think he's played before this season at least, or maybe he has in one or two games. But there's been a few injuries. Obviously, Tottenham mm-hmm. as well wasn't there. Um, so you know the fullbacks Fredrickson and Lund, uh, you know they they did okay. I felt that I actually felt Diff played well, and we're going to talk about you going a little bit in this in this show uh, as well because we haven't talked about them much. And obviously, having seen them live, I thought they did well in the first half. Um, but they started to just sit deeper and deeper in the second half, and that didn't really help. I thought that uh, the centre backs, like I thought, that Benny Traore actually struggled against uh, Marcus Danielson and and Lofgren as his two centre backs. Um, Hacker were playing a four three three. Eurogarden playing kind of four two one two or four two one three, depending on how you wanted to look at it. Um, essentially, with Joel Osorio up front, but Marcus Berg in kind of like a floating role. So it was a you know strange sort of. I think up front they 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 were good first half. But I still think they don't really have. Still, you know, we'll talk about Jurgen in a minute anyway. But mm. they put in a really strong performance, like I say, first half. But they've got leaders like Hovland now. Uh, you mentioned Larson there. It was interesting because they were he was asked post match, like you know, 
do you think maybe you might leave Hacken? Um, you know, do you think you'll get so much interest because he's one of the top scorers in the league? I think he's the top assist. I think he's the top assist provider in the league at the moment. Um, if not the top, one of the top, top goal plus Probably assists. Can, yeah, goals and assists. Um, I think yeah. So <clears throat> yeah, he took his goals brilliantly, and and he was asked, you know, do you think there'll be interest? And he said, listen, the where I found a home at Hacken, he basically said he said he's never been treated so well. Um, and he's, he said that he, he's found his home here and he wants to stay. We, he celebrated his goal like mad. There's one thing you don't get to see when you watch games on TV, obviously, sometimes, you know, the camera pans away. But he, when he scored, he was like sort of shushy in the crowd and he was like, he was he was loving it, actually, his first goal. It was a brilliant strike. Um, and yeah, of course, you know, they, you know, when when they have players like that who, who can up, up their gear, Regard is a quality player. You know he can just up a upper level. Gustafsson's too good for Svensson, honestly. He's, he, for me, he was the best player on the pitch. I thought he was that exceptional. Um, and then you've got forwards like Troy. I didn't Troy didn't actually have a good game in my opinion. I thought he was pocketed a little bit. But what I felt, I felt Jurgen had actually got got. I thought they'd done a number on them, and I thought they'd, they'd you know this is going to be tough act. And but the way they just carved them open in the second half, the, the way they upped the tempo with their passing was was really impressive to watch. And when you've got Larson on one side, you've got you know. Um, You've got Triore kind of going through the middle, and Udenas, Udenas wasn't great. He he went off, and they sort of changed things around a bit. Mamadou Sonko, um, if you go and listen to our Osvenskan centre watch, you might hear a bit more about him. But I thought he he had an impact off the bench, um, and the the options from the bench I felt changed the game. I think Udenas. I actually said to Sam, who who I was with, I said I think they should take off Udenas and switch Triore to the right hand side, which I don't think they quite did. But basically, Triore was struggling against the physicality of Danielson. Um, but when they changed it around a little bit, second half, it, it paid off and uh, they just went to a new tempo. I think maybe the one thing they, they lack is compared to last season is that year we have presence. Uh, you know, I think that's where they are maybe a little bit. Uh, we, I think Ola Kamara is not quite fit. And of course, we saw them lose against Halmstad and they brought him on in the second half. And I think that's one area that maybe physically, if you can overpower them um, <clears throat> and keep that ability, if you can keep the midfielders away, if you can sort of block off the midfield from the attack, if you know what I mean, and, and then and then overpower them physically. Because Traore is quite a short player, actually. He's not not the biggest. That's maybe one way to play them. But um, yeah, they they you know they they showed that they've got that experience now of champions. And um, I think they, I think we had a listener question, didn't we? Like, do you think it will be a one-off? Um, but I think they I think they can stick around. I think they can go from here and maybe grow as a club um, because it seems to be the area is growing and and there's a sort of fan culture there that. Um, makes me feel that they can continue to maybe challenge EF Corps as number one in Gothenburg. Yeah, and that's where they've surprised me a bit so far because in my experience when this sort of thing happens, the next season's really hard to do it again. It, I, I questioned Buda Glimp when they when they won that first title and they completely proved me wrong the second season. Heck and Maywell did do the same, not in terms of winning the league because they are up against a monster of a side in Malmo, but if they, if they finish second... I would actually be really, really impressed with them. But they, they've really squad built well, haven't they? Credit to the manager, credit to the recruitment team. They've got a really good balance there. And so immediately after the game, Jonathan was able to get some reaction from uh, BK or Hecken player Blair Turgut, who unfortunately is injured right now. But it was great to hear his thoughts on several things behind the game and also football in general over there in Sweden. Uh, all right, I'm joined by uh, Blair Turgut, who's um, at the Breveda Arena. Hacken have just won 4-1, uh, and of course, uh, on the Nordic Football Podcast, we followed your career for a while since you moved from non-league to um, 
to to towards Fenska and obviously Ostersunds and then and then Hacken. Yeah. Uh, just obviously you had a really unfortunate injury recently. But how's your time been in Sweden so far, like since you've moved? Yeah, man, it's been good. It's been good. I've enjoyed it. Um, obviously, like I said when I first come, I was at a different team. Um, and obviously this this season or the last season we won the league, which was really amazing. And then this season, unfortunately, I'm injured, but. You know, it's good to see the team still doing well and still winning. So, yeah, it's really good. What, what would you say um, is like the main difference between, say, non-league football and when you moved to, first moved to Ossesund, if you get what I mean? I just think probably the, it's more technical. Um, obviously, you know, English football is really, like, renowned for being, like, physical and fast tempo. But here's a lot more slower, a lot more maybe in the mind. You have to use your mind more. The tactics, you know, teams are really in-depth with how they go through games and... And yeah, it's good, man. It's really technical and I like it, to be fair. It's nice. You came through West, West Ham's academy and obviously you had a lot of experiences out in England. Do, do you feel like you benefited from the move to Sweden? Like, do you think it's helped your career a lot? Like, I think yeah, it's something you've sure. enjoyed. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, um, when I come, I come and establish myself. The sort of football that was playing abroad is probably more suited to me as well. Um, going to the Jamaica national team and scored many goals. So, you know, it's been good and um, it's been positive. Obviously, you know, there's just a... A small blip in the road at the moment because of the injury, but you know I'll be back in no no time, and hopefully you know we can keep pushing on, keep pushing forward. Yeah. And I remember when uh, obviously the last day of the season you played when you, you won the league obviously against the Fkoyotaborg, um, you played in that game. How how was it like winning the league here? And yeah, it was amazing. Was the first time you've won the league. Yeah, it was it was amazing, especially like you know my family come over to watch the game. It's a derby match, and to win the league, score a goal, it was yeah, what dreams are made of kind of thing, you know? So it was my first silverware as a player, so it was nice as well, and yeah, it was perfect. And like in terms of the difference between Ossesunds and, and Hacking, what would you say? Like, I know both clubs have like a family feel. Like, I know Ian Birchnell yeah. um, and a couple of coaches there, Sean Constable as well, for example, we've had on the podcast. How would you um, describe the difference between the two clubs when you, you know, uh, move well, like, I think every team has, you know, great individuals, um, but I think the Ekin, the squad itself, has got a strong team, good players, um, and you can see, like, you know, in good form, and especially from last season, we've kind of carried it on, and we just keep going, and, you know, the, the focus is, even if we win, we have to keep training hard and keep working hard, so the standards are always there, and we push each other, and the staff push each other, and it's got a good formula for a good team. And if, if you were if you were picking a five-a-side team from the Hacking squad, like obviously they got so many good players, who would you? Uh, obviously you'd be in there somewhere, but who yeah, would you? Uh, I'll be in there for sure. <laughs> but I would say uh, I would say Evan at the back, Hovland, uh, Mikel Rigard, uh, Ibra Sadiq, and me. That's four. You got one more. Uh, Samuel then. Samuel Gustafsson. Yeah, class player. <laughs> and final question, obviously, before I let you go, um, I really appreciate your time. Well, what's it like work, working with the manager? Because obviously, when um, the manager came in, Per Matthias, you had finished like nearly the bottom of the league. I like, had a really bad season. Um, how have you found it like this season? What's he, what did he change, and what's he done for your game? Yeah, he's been tell? great. He's been great. Obviously, you can see the progression from the team. You know, he's clear in his instructions as well, which is the most important thing as a manager. I think he's clear. Everyone knows, kind of, no matter if you're going to play, no matter if you're on the bench, it's clear and. And obviously, as you can see, we have great, a good, a, a good squad as well that push each other. And um, yeah, man, this is going really well, and he's a very good coach, so yeah. he deserves all the flowers at the moment. And, and just like final question as well, because I, I do a lot of, uh, I do a bit of work in non-league. Like, I watch a lot of non-league football, basically. So, what would you advise me to like English players like in non-league to, in terms of moving out here? Because sometimes people are a bit maybe hesitant. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I would say you know, trust yourself. I think sometimes you have to come out of your comfort zone to find yourself, and you know, you can. 
you can go somewhere and not be wanted or you can go somewhere and be wanted and sometimes in football when someone wants you that's the biggest thing where you can express yourself enjoy yourself have confidence within yourself you know and you can bring out the best person you are and yeah I think it will help massively yeah Blair Turgut thank you so much for talking to us on the Nordic Podcast appreciate it yeah, so uh, yeah, fortunate enough to get an interview with a uh, cheeky interview with Blair Target there, which was nice as well. Uh, obviously, being an Englishman, a bit like us, Steve, uh, in this covering these leagues, he uh, hopefully you know, as a, hopefully you can hear it through the the Hacken fans going a bit crazy at the end there. Um, they were they were you know it was actually I think the stadium atmosphere adds to the interview, but uh, yeah, I managed to catch it for five minutes, and um, it was really nice to sort of speak to him and, and get his perspectives on on life in Sweden as well. And I think. That kind of gives an example, Steve, of the squad. You know, we were just talking about the kind of squad they've built and the players they have. He's another one who's who's it's a good bit of scouting that they've they've done. And of course, he was part of the team that, that won the league. You know, in that mass, famous uh, thrashing of Yves Kjellberg to confirm the title um, when they beat them. I think it was four 0 in their own back back garden, and um, just shows you that you know if you take a chance and you move out to Sweden in terms of an English player, he, he's he's benefited from it. It's a real shame he'll miss the season, but. Um, yeah, it was just a what he said kind of just added to the feeling that Hacken are a team on the up, team on the up. Yeah, thanks very much to Blair for that one. And um, I'll just ask you a question now. I was going to ask you this at the end of the when we talk about EF Core, got the bug soon. But uh, Sean at Seager underscore twenty three asks: After being in Gothenburg, do you feel as though Hacken stock is rising there, or are they still the little team from Hinsingen? Yeah, great question. I think uh, probably already answered this in in the course of the last few minutes, but no, they're definitely not the little team from Hissing, Hissingen anymore. Um, we're going to talk about EFCO in a minute, Steve. So I think I'm sure you'll ask me to compare the two um, in terms of the you know the experience and what it was like going to diff- both different games. So I'll, I'll save my thoughts for that. But um, certainly they're not the little team from Hissingen anymore. They're, they're the champions of Sweden at the end of the day. Um, they've taken on everyone in, in the league and, and been better than all of them in, in, in over the course of a season. I still think this year they'll go close. You know, Malmo, unless Malmo pull out 30 games, 30 games winning record or something, at some point, surely they're going to they're gonna stutter at some point. And I think Hacken will be one of the main teams that can take advantage of that. Um, as I just mentioned, I think if they do have a weakness, maybe it's in that forward area. I just think UMEF is a big loss. And might that come back to haunt them at some point? Because as I say, for 45 minutes, Jurgen did contain them up front. And I felt that was the where they might actually win the game. But um, when you've got the Gustafsson twins, you've got Rigor in midfield, uh, and then you've got those forwards up front, the likes of Chora. Don't forget Sadiq was injured, didn't play. Turga injured, didn't play. Um, Dennis obviously, is just is, is sort of in and out of the team. Sonko's a young player coming up. They've got a lot of forward options, a lot of pace in those forward areas. The fullbacks are not bad. I think maybe the fullbacks could contribute a little bit more at times, but um, I think they, they're they very strong, solid over the course of the season. And then, like you said, Steve, about Hovland and players like that as at centre back Johan Hammer's not playing he's been injured as well so you know they're missing their main sort of centre back they've got a really strong spine so yeah I think they are no longer they can't be considered that small team anymore no, they they've can't. got the Gothia Park they've got the Gothia Cup sorry the Gothia Park Academy the money that they bring in from that tournament the world's biggest youth tournament basically um the money that that sustains them they've got a really nice academy which I've been lucky enough to go and visit um and I think they've even got a really good women's team as well you know they invest in the women's side of football so you know they're in the women's they've been in the women's champions league and things like that as well so as a, as a club in general uh they give me a feeling of a team that's on the up and isn't going anywhere anytime soon i don't think yeah and uh your garden i suppose we, we we need to give them a bit of a mention here as well they have beaten kalmar um tonight 
at the time of recording, three goals to one. A good win for them. 100% record at home, actually, for your garden this season. Away from home, it's a different matter. Three losses and one draw. Now, did you see enough in that first half for, to suggest that they would go on and beat Kalmar tonight? And, and where are your garden at? Because they're up and down like anything, aren't they, right now? Like a yo-yo, really. Um, don't know which version we're going to see of them. Um, although it does seem there's a massive consistency between home and away performances. Yeah, it's a good question. And anyone who uh, who plays fantasy or Spence can probably, um, you know, might listen to what I'm saying here with a bit of uh, interest because I saw enough in that game to think that Eurogarden are going to be okay. But at the same time, you know, that was only for 45 minutes. And I think the thing was, like, they, with this Kalmar game, for example, Steve, I, like, I felt in my mind, is it time to maybe bring in one or two other diff players for this week's fantasy game? But the question in my mind was that consistency. You know, they could easily just like draw nil-nil to Kalmar. They could easily lose at home to Kalmar. Like I just I couldn't, you can't, you can't hang your hat on Diff at the moment. That's the thing in terms of, you know, like picking a fantasy player. So um, for me, Joel Osorio was the best player, uh, Gun's best player on, on the day. It doesn't surprise me that he's gone and scored another one tonight as well um, for against Kalmar. So that's quite, quite an interesting one. But um, they, they kind of changed the shape a little bit. I, th- I think the big thing with them, Steve, is they haven't found a role for, for Berg yet. I, I feel like Berg, such a big player for Kalmar, I just don't think they found a position for him. He, was, he started as a kind of a false nine, then he drifted sort of as a number 10, then he, he sort of drifted out wide for a bit. They, they had Valenius and Vickheim in the wide areas, um, then Osoro moved up front. I, I just feel like they don't really have a position for him yet. You know, he was really good for Kalmar as that false nine. You know, he 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 basically was the whole Kalmar attacking force, really. He could go where he wanted. And he had the freedom to go pretty much run the show for, for Henrik Riedstrom's team. And I saw an interesting comment from uh, Riedstrom actually last week, Steve. He said that um, Berg would have been better going to Malmo, which is a big statement, obviously. Um, you, you know, he managed him as well, maybe a bit of mind games. But um, yeah, I just feel like they haven't quite found the place for, for Berg yet and Osorio. I don't think that, you know, Osorio was dropped at the beginning of the season um, because he was, they had a disciplinary issue. I think he was, he didn't react well to not not playing, but whether it was, he was promised game time and then it was maybe the manager's fault for miscommunicating it or whether it was but uh Asura's fault for his reaction i don't know he was forced to apologize so he, he was left out of the team for the first i think three games of the season he, he started this game and he really looked sharp he, he scored a really good goal um i thought the center backs did well i thought danielson and lofgren looked really solid i think the thing with hack, uh the hacking game i felt that the fullbacks were too high they left 2v2 too many times at the back and i thought that they could get caught on a counter-attack. Um, you know, they have Elias Anderson and they have, um, uh, I can't remember his name, Piotr Johansson as a right-back. <clears throat> and I just felt like but there's no like balance. Both of them go flying up the pitch at times. Um, Johansson was popping up in this penalty area at, at certain points. And, and you know, you don't, the last thing you want to do against Hacking is leave yourself to that counter-attack, which I think cost them in the second half. But I saw enough from Diff to suggest that they're not going to be, they're not going to be terrible this year. You know, if we compare them to Oi Kor, for example, who are, bottom, who are in the relegation zone tonight as we speak. Um, there's still one more game to be played, but, you know, they, they, they're they in the relegation zone. Um, Hammer B are not having a good team either. There was a question about Stockholm teams uh, from history in Russia, I think. And I've seen enough to maybe think Diff won't, won't be as bad as them too. Um, I saw tonight they played Edvard, and obviously Edvard was left out of the hacking game and he came out afterwards and said he doesn't like not playing. And they do have a lot of forward options there that they're going to have to juggle. Um in terms of the midfielder Ericsson and Findel, I, I felt like I just felt like Hacken had a better midfield. I just felt like they're more dynamic. They're more they're more like they're better. They're just better midfielders. 
Um, Gustafsson's assist for Lars Olden last and second goal was just superb. He just, just runs through the midfield. It reminded me of, uh, I'm trying to think of who could, you know, someone like Seth Fabregas or someone like that. It was really just, Gustafsson was exceptional. And I just feel like he's a slight level above the likes of Ericsson and Findel. Um, and I think that was a deciding factor, but I'd probably put Jürgen around, you know, top five this season, definitely. I think they will at some point go on a bit of a run. And then from there, it's just a case of how far can they go and can they get the balance? Well, but I think very I think with Diff, just one one final point. I think with Diff, I think there will be some transfers in the summer. I think they're going to have to get rid of some players, maybe, because uh, the squad is quite big. Uh, they've got a problem for me in those forward areas. They don't really seem to know what their best front three is. Perhaps Edvarsson, I came on for fifteen minutes there in, in your game. Did he impress you much? Did he look hungry? I mean, it was two one. They were well in the game when he came on, but within what five or five or six minutes, it was game over. So, I, you know, Asoro at the moment seems to be more of the form guy. Um, they haven't, they really haven't got enough out of some, I mean, Fellaini is another player who kind of flatters to deceive, doesn't he? So that seems to be the problem area for, for Diff, just to get that attack firing fully, consistency. Yeah, and the, one of the things about being in the media centre sometimes, Steve, you get a cheeky little look at uh, the scouts and stuff and who's there, and your guests. And um, I noticed, I think there was a, I won't name them, but there was a, there was a German Bundesliga club in the in the crowd somewhere, um, and interestingly enough, uh, um, our man Berg, Bergval came on. Who uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of talk about him at the moment. If you want more, maybe go and listen to the Patreon. If you're a subscriber on Patreon, I'm sure you'll have uh, you'll have already clocked uh, Bergval in our. You know, I tend to watch. I may as well <laughs> may as well just drop it there. As putting Which it one was about was the, the, the like rabbits, aren't they? The Bergvals. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Lucas Bergvall came on in the, in the second half, and actually, Steve, I thought he looks. I thought he looked really like. I was lucky enough to see three players, and I tend to watch during this course of my trip, and um, all three of them back, backed up my feelings. Like for, obviously, first time I've seen any of the three of them live. All three of them backed up my feelings. I won't name two of them, so go on patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast, go and, go and grab them if you want. But uh, Bergval, when he came on, Steve, I thought there was one move in the second half when he came on where he turned, I can't remember who it was, he turned the midfielder, but he really used his body well, his balance and, and his strength. And I was, I was thinking to myself, for a 17, 18-year-old, the strength that he had, actually, um, upper body strength, I was quite surprised about. Um, in that one move, I saw enough to think, like, yeah, he's, you know, He's not just he's not just good on the ball technically, but he's actually got a little bit about him in terms of physically physicality. Um, surprisingly good strength to turn the man. He looked really promising to me. I think it won't be long before he gets more game time. And I think with Diff, that's that's how I feel about him. I think I think there's a few players coming to the end of the line there. And I think there's a few players coming up that could could maybe by the end of the season. I think their team might look quite different if you compare it from the first day to the last day. And I think Bergval's one of them, Steve. I thought he was um thought he was really good. When he came off, but but when it was you know it was quite late in the game at that point, and he, he couldn't really have much of an influence. Came on and played in midfield, but um, when you say about Edvard and Steve, I I think it's I would love to have got an interview with him because he does like to talk. But I think there's already there is a few people. I think I've heard whispers about maybe is Diff going to be the place for him long term? Like is he actually matching the expectations? And um, you know we're going to talk about Degerfors in a minute, which is obviously where he came from and had such an amazing season. But uh, I think there's a few question marks about Edvard to be honest at this moment in time. Yeah, so that was it. Hecken for uh, your garden one. The next night, you were in attendance again. This match um, was EF Core Jothenburg against Degerforce. Uh, a crisis hit EF Core, who had one point on the board uh, heading into that game, only scored one goal. Um, but they go and bashed 
Degerfors 6-0 in this fixture. Quite a remarkable scoreline, actually. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we move on to this one, Jonathan. What are your overall takes um, about uh, this particular fixture? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing to say is that despite the fact that when I think we turned up at the stadium, they were near the relegation zone or in the relegation zone, um, that my my overriding feeling from that game is that they are a massive club. Like there's no there's no two ways about it. Like I don't like to compare them to hacking because I think it's unfair. But you you had a I had a palpable sense like going to the stadium like this. You know this is a like this is a this is a football club. You know what I mean this is a proper club. Hacking are the same, but they're they're in their own way. They're sort of like they're kind of like they're a bit hip, they're kind of almost like hipster. You know what I mean they're, they're like the cool club across the town. Um, who are sort of nice and good, and they've got their kind of, they've got their nice bars with the nice fish and chips, if you know what I mean. Um, so they're both, I think they're both big in their own way. If that makes sense, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking hacking, but with with EF Core, it was like, you know, they're just a bigger, they're just a much bigger club in terms of the size of the organisation and and the kind of buzz around the town. I felt, you know, the, um, there was fans, there was Degaforce fans in the city drinking before the match, and uh, I was walking around the town, and then. You know, there's loads of EF Corp sort of scars and flags and everything around the town, and people make their way to the game. It's just just when you approach the stadium, you know, you, there's there's this, obviously this, the attendance is the attendance for Hacken was five thousand, I think five thousand one hundred and something. The attendance for the EF Corp match was I think thirteen thousand, or roughly between thirteen and fourteen thousand. So you know, there you go. It's almost triple the amount of people there um, straight away, and. Yeah, you just walk in and it's like they are quite a classy club, I think, in a way. You know, like they they they're a sleeping giant, really, in terms of you know everyone knows the history. They're a massive club historically. You know, they've 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 won titles. They've been, you know, where would you rank them in terms of the biggest clubs in Sweden? I'm not sure. Malmo AK fans, you know, a few others would would have Dior Garden fans. Everyone will have their debate, but in terms of historic success, they're one of the top three, of course. And um, you, you feel that kind of feeling. But at the end of the day, they they they've been. You know, for want of a better word, not 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 run the best over the last five years. Let's be honest. Um, I think they're trying to turn that around now. I was, I was lucky enough to sort of speak to the, the scout, one of their main scouts. I was lucky enough to speak to um, someone I met, funnily enough, Steve, uh, who runs the club now. is one of the directors of the club who I met in Gothenburg before when he before he was actually working there and um, saw him again this time. So it was really nice to bump into him and have a, we had a good chat. Um, so I do know some people at the club, if that makes sense. And yeah, I felt really nice being back. Actually, it was, you know, it was really enjoyable. You know, the anthem, Steve. Obviously, you. I know you've got your own sort of secret allegiances to them. Maybe potentially, I see a smile on your face even as I say that now. Um, and there's no doubt about it. When when the anthem comes on and the, the fans come out, I haven't actually tweeted yet. Maybe I'll put it on YouTube or something. But um, yeah, it's definitely a kind of like goosebumps feeling. Like they 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 the anthem is. You've got to see it and experience it. I think it's uh, it's breathtaking, to be honest. Uh, the choreography as well, how they walk out to the anthem and stuff like that. It's um, yeah, I guess it's what some people who sort of like teams like Celtic and etc. feel when you'll never walk alone comes on, which I have never quite taken to myself. But uh, um, you know that that anthem feeling, uh, you know, of kind of that community. Everyone's got the flags up. It was really yeah, you 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 feel like yeah, this is this is big. Um, wasn't full stadium, don't get me wrong, but it was close to full, I think, or at least three quarters, maybe. On the pitch, obviously, uh, before going to that game, Steve, he, of course, scored one goal in six games, I think, or one goal in five games, sorry, and uh, they've scored one goal in, they've scored one, 
one goal in seven in total before that game. And in that one game, they somehow managed to put six past Degafors. Um, complete domination. Uh, we'll come to the match. We will come to the match in a minute. But yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. That you just I'm picturing this. Imagine if EF Core were actually in a title race one year, and imagine th- this anthem and the crowd. I mean, it'd be tenfold, wouldn't it? The the spiciness and the electricity and uh, and you're right. I mean, I remember that night, that evening, you, I, you messaged me and said, "EF Core, an absolutely massive club, uh, mate. They're the biggest in Sweden." I mean, well, I think it was along those lines. Um, but <laughs> the first bit I said, I don't, I'm not sure. I, I, I had to, I'll have to reread it, but it was along those lines. And and and, but you, you, you're absolutely right. You know, it's a ma- a massive club, and uh, who are in difficult times. They're obviously at the minute under the shadow of Hecken in terms of on the field. Um, it's a little bit similar to what sort of Tromso are like with with Buda Glimt in in Norway. A bit apart from the EFK, obviously a far more bigger size. But um, yeah, six nil win. I mean, I, I actually watched this game as well and um it was a good watch actually i thought degafors um degafors's style contributed to the game degafors probably should have scored a goal or two i thought but um yeah i mean six of the best from from Goth- gothenburg here it was uh i mean who didn't score everyone seemed to get on the, on the score sheet or get an assist uh, i think uh, marcus berg got himself a couple of goals but mostly it was stuff was sh- shared around they were right on the front foot, right on the front foot early doors, and and they got the crowd on side immediately. Yeah, they they came out of the blocks flying, um, as you said. I mean, I did, I, I definitely say, I definitely text you saying this is a this is a big club, um, and I, I I stand by that. They're a massive club. If like me, if I was sometimes I think if I was a footballer, what would my career journey be like? You know, like football managers. Like, where what would you where, where would you be telling your agents to get you? I would definitely sign up for it. I can see why, like um, Marek Hamzik or um, trying to think other players who have gone there, you know, have, have take, taken the choice to go there. Because don't get me wrong, Stockholm clubs are big as well. So you know, that playing. I think playing in Sweden is actually underrated. I think, especially for maybe African players or players who are at the beginning of their careers or players coming to the end of their careers, I think it's an underrated league because even even Hacken, the the, the noise the fans make. And the sort of the drums and the atmosphere, the, the choreography, the the flares and stuff, um, even at Aachen, which is just five thousand fans, it's underrated. And uh, EF Core is the same. You know, the, playing in front of like fourteen, fifteen thousand really passionate fans, um, I I definitely sign up for for a year or two of it. You know, historically they're they're a massive club. Um, yeah, as I said, I, I had a good chat with the chairman Richard Berkling, um, and was talking to him about what's been going on in the past. Um, you know, and I think they are trying to turn things around. The joint managers, um, I did ask him, you know, is there kind of um, off the record, is he able to say who's going to be the next manager? He, he gave me a little cheeky smile. And he just said the manager's doing well. But actually, Steve, to be fair, I'm going to I'm going to praise the managers now. Um, William Lundin and Alexander Tengrid, the, the assistant caretakers, because one thing that, you know, obviously they had a scouts ticket, I was right, right, right bang on the centre circle, pretty much brilliant seats. Um, one thing you, one thing I noticed during the game is that, the play, and I know, I, we've got an interview coming up with Emil Salomonson, who uh, the right back for EF Core, who got two assists on the day. So you'll listen to that any second now. But one thing I noticed, uh, Steve, is that the, the 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 players kept running up to the managers and the coaches, and they kept giving them instructions after like every couple of five minutes or so. You know, a bit like Arteta does with Arsenal. He has a cheeky sort of yeah. Ramsdale goes down injured. You know, pretending Ramsdale's injured every five minutes, isn't he? With Arsenal, and then they have a little sort of team talk. Um, <clears throat> they, it was it was a similar thing. They, the, the senior players in that team were, were constantly communicating with the uh, two joint managers. 
And I actually had a lot of, I, I felt like they gave them tactical. And I asked Emil this, you know, we'll hear it in a minute, but, you know, did he give them, what kind of tactical instructions was he giving them? Because they changed their, they changed their tactics after about five, 10 minutes based on the, I think the feedback of what the manager told them. And I don't know if it was, what, the, what interested me about it, Steve, was actually, it, it looked like it was a kind of collaborative conversation. I felt as if the senior players were also telling the managers, we should do this. You know what I mean? And I've never seen that before, really. You know, usually it's managers just dictating what, what to do. But I, there was a few little times where I saw, like, for example, Oscar Vent or I saw maybe Olsen go into them and saying, this, this, this and this. Keep that in mind. You know what I mean? As if to say, you know, the senior players actually taking responsibility for what's happening on the pitch and saying, this is what I'm seeing. Maybe we should change it. Because Degafor, Steve, they, they, their tactics, obviously they play that 3-4-3 three, three system. Um, they play the left side of the centre-back, Mama, and they play the right full-back, Puzain. Uh, and basically both of them just ping cross-field passes from right to left over the shoulder. Both are all day long. Mama Chuch, to be fair to him, he's got a left foot on him. He can ping a pass. He pings like 70-yard left foot passes. And I think Oscar Venn, who's the left-back at EFCOR, went to the touchline and said, listen, they're trying to put one over my head. Do you know what I mean? And, and let's try and find a way around that. Um, the space was in the midfield because Degafors just left too much space in midfield. Uh, I thought that Carlin, um, who's, I think he was played in Norway as well, didn't he, Steve? Uh, I thought he was the best player on the pitch, you know, this showing my tendency for a midfielder, but I thought Carlin ran the show in midfield. I thought he was brave, I thought he was strong. I really liked him, actually. Um, uh, they've obviously got Hagen as well, who was at Buda Glimt. He got on the score sheet, but it was really interesting watching the tactical battle, actually, from that point of view. And I think they just tactically outthought Degafors. They couldn't. They couldn't get a grip. Of, they couldn't get a grip in the midfield. Degafors. The the, the the crossfield balls just stopped working after a few minutes. Once they had that advantage as well, um, EFCOR went into just went you know went crazy really, didn't they? With the amount of goals they scored, um, we were listening to goal music every couple of minutes. Berg got two, uh, Vent got one, Olsen got one, Hagen got one, and Svensson got one. Svensson actually um, opened the scoring uh, with a header from from a corner. He he played centre back, which is uh, I think it's quite rare for him to do that. So, um, yeah, an absolute battering. Obviously, they've only scored seven all season and I was there to see six of them. So that was uh, fantastic. Yeah, Degafor's getting hit for six and, and you're right what you say. Haya Blorvit was literally on repeat, wasn't it, with the gold <laughs> music. Um, you, you mentioned the uh, Emil Solomonson there. We You managed to get a chat with him after the game. Miles will uh, bring it onto the podcast now. Um, but, yeah, you managed to... Uh, Get into that media zone, and he gave us some thoughts after this brilliant win for EFCOR. And I'm with uh, Emil so- Solomonson after the 6 0 win between uh, EFCOR Jotterborg and Degafors. Uh, Emil, what an amazing game today for you guys. Yeah, it was a very, very good game, and we've been, uh, oh, we've been waiting for this moment to, to win with a lot of goals at home. and and to have a good feeling after a game. So it was, it's a great night for us. Yeah, I mean, it's your first win of the season and we've seen a few of your games uh, this year. It's been a bit tough, like the North Shopping game. Obviously, you got a draw there and not the best of seasons so far from your start. But do you feel like today is a lot of positivity to take for the rest of the season now? Like, what, what changed? What do you feel changed no, between I, those games and this game? I totally agree. I think, especially the first uh, four games, we had a, a tough break. But against North Shopping, we could feel that we were on the right way. And today, uh, to score six goals and keep the clean sheet, and yeah, to give, uh, especially the way we, we attack this game with, with courage, and it's difficult. If, if you look at the standings, everyone knows we're dead last, and it's a hard game to go out yeah. and play, but we show courage and we, we attack, and I think that's the most important thing, and uh, that makes me happy. How do you feel about the management team here? Because obviously, there's been a lot of changes in the last couple of months, um, and the new management team, I saw like uh, a lot of the times 
they were giving instructions, players were coming to speak to them and getting instructions. Like, do you feel like in your role, for example, your, your position and your role have changed since uh, you know, the changes recently? With the yeah, no, I, <coughs> the, the new coaches are very good to, to give instructions during the game and, and uh, my role has been a little bit more offensive and the way I, I, I love to play is offensively and I like to come, come around this, on the side with my right foot and uh, for me it suits me very well and uh, the, the style of uh, football I want to play, it suits me very well. So yeah, maybe like because we have a lot of people in England play Osvenska fantasy, so maybe we should start putting you in a in a fantasy team as well. Yeah, today I think two <laughs> assists and a clean sheet would, would be a good uh, yeah. good. Uh, maybe should have captained. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe. No, but I'm happy. I'm very happy for the team, and uh, it was a good night with uh, with a lot of supporters that uh, go home to to the house uh, happy. Yeah, I mean, EFC is a massive club, and uh, I just want to ask you, kind of, in terms of the management instructions, like, did the, what were they saying particularly in game, like, to, to you guys? Was it? Sort of tactical, like specific tactical things. Like, what, what were they kind of giving, or were they just giving you encouragement? If you know what I mean, just interested to know a bit more about yeah, how no, they work. Cause yeah, no. T- today, when we play against, uh, when uh, they play five-three-two, uh, we try to to double on the side because they only have one wing back, so we want to come uh, come high with uh, with our winger and our full backs. So it's difficult for their wing back, and I think they're very successful there. Yeah. And also, uh, we want to press high, and, uh, and you can see in the start of the game, we win the ball many times, and that's the kind of style we want to come out aggressively and then keep the keep the ball and attack on the sides and uh, yeah that was a very good uh, yeah. good way to attack the game I thought it was amazing and just one final question before I let you go thank you so much um, if you had a EFC five-a-side team like who would be in your five-a-side team because I thought for example today Carlin was really good in the midfield but uh, yeah just a bit of fun like if you were having an EFC five-a-side who would you be picking uh, five-a-side okay I keep uh, I will have the goalkeeper Pontus uh, and then uh, five-a-side then you play two-two or uh, or maybe one-two Okay, I, I I would put uh, Carlin on the back as a sweeper. He's uh, very good there. Then I put uh, I put myself, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and then I put uh, uh, I put Marcus on top. And then I put on the left. Um, yeah, Sebastian Olsson was it was great today. So I put him on the left. So I think that's a good uh, good uh, five aside team. Fantastic. And thank you so much for your time and talking thank to the Football Podcast. Thank you. No thank worries. You. Yeah, that was Emil Salomonson. Hopefully I got the pronunciation right. He was really generous with his time. Funnily enough, Steve, I wasn't actually in the media zone. And there's a funny story. They wouldn't actually let me uh, interview anyone. Um, and I have to thank um, someone called Elizabeth, who works at EFCOR, for uh, getting that opportunity. Because they, they essentially told me, Steve, that the, well, we don't have the rights to um, interview anyone. <laughs> so uh, um, we weren't. I wasn't actually allowed to go to the mix zone. I wanted to get an interview maybe with Berg or someone. But they, they stopped and said, oh, sorry, you don't. It was a lot more... It's a lot more regimented, of course, Lee. Right. You so can't to, you can't yeah. go to the press conference. You can't go into the mix zone because you don't have the badge or whatever you need. And um, and it was only thanks to Elizabeth that we were able to talk to Emil and obviously Emil being so gracious with his time. But um, yeah, I think it was something to do with the Osvenskan rights. So I said, like, you know, maybe we should take the Osvenskan rights for England because no one else has them, do they, Steve? So, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, as he mentioned there, obviously the tactical bit about, you know, he he said he's got license now to go a bit more uh, attacking. Solomonson, he said, in his new role, obviously compared to Mika Stara. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, we we, we t- I tweeted cheekily tonight the uh, rumours about Alan Pardew. Um, it's been reported tonight that Alan Pardew maybe was in the running for the AF Yotterbog job, which would be, well, imagine that, Steve. That would be, uh, <laughs> be interesting, to say the least. But um, I wonder if they might just hang on to hang on to um, the two joint managers they got at the moment. Because I get the feeling they got a lot of respect in the dressing room. I did ask um, the chairman, Richard Berkling, is Stefan Bilborn 
gonna be the man. And he kind of he kind of looked at me and said, Well, they're they're happy he's happy at, in Norway. Um with a sort of cheeky look. So I don't I'm not sure about that. Obviously that's uh, off the record conversation. Um apart from what he just told me there, which is you know, he, he didn't really say anything really there. But um I do wonder if these two joint managers will get a little bit more time because I feel like maybe as coaches they are quite quite proactive and quite um uh, quite decent. So watch the space. They obviously they've not had a good start to the season. There's a lot of things to go there, but with the sacking of Star so close to the season, they haven't really had much time have they to implement their ideas. So maybe they'll improve as the season goes on. Yeah, I think it's time we knock this uh, Alan Pardew rumor report on the head because we've, most of the questions that were asked to us this week are about Pardew. Several people uh, wondering what the hell's going on with this um, Alan Pardew link. And I mean, it rather shocked me when I, when I saw this. Uh, quite a lot of negative reaction about it. But am I just being a bit old-fashioned here? I actually, I actually think he wouldn't be a bad coup for them. Um, Alan Pardew, he's very experienced. He's not. You can do a lot worse than Pardew. I'm sure you can do better as well. But um, hey, I mean, a very at least you know you're going to get someone who can dance well, right, on the sidelines. <laughs> um, but yeah, what what is going on here? What is this report, Jonathan? Um, so we can quash this now. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the the report came out that he's basically been linked. I think he was he, uh, the report on football Scalano, who obviously Steve, I uh, I do uh, do some work for, so. Um, I can't say I can't knock them too much in that sense, but obviously they they're very well sourced, so um, and a highly professional organisation. And uh, it came out this I think this evening basically that where it was saying, um, uh, let me just get the quotes. Pretty, I think it, I, I don't know if it was actually even really uh, just rumours, but they have a sort of silly season blog, and it basically said on it that uh, let me just read for Expressen reported that EF Core was offered Pardew. As a manager, so basically, someone touting um, Alan Pardew to go to, to go to EF Core. He's one of the he's one of several coaches apparently that Blavitt has been offered, uh, and EF Core has not given any information on the coaching issue, as the club is said to said to want its new organisation and strategy before a new coach joins. Obviously, they've only just brought in a new technical director, Steve, in the last ten days, Ola Larson. Um, I think he might have been at the stadium, but I I, I didn't get to speak to him or anything like that. Um, but Pardew has said that he is open to coaching a club in Sweden as his wife's hometown is in Vastaras, which I was going to say, I, I believe he has a Swedish wife and that's correct. Um, he said, Osvenskan has grown enormously in recent years. This is Alan Pardew. Uh, Osvenskan has grown enormously in recent years. Everyone involved has done a fantastic job there. Pat yourself on the back there, Steve. You might even be talking about you and, us, you and me. Um, but everyone involved has done a fantastic job there. Eurogarden, Malmo and EF Corps are the clubs I most associate in my mind as the big clubs. So who knows? Um, said Pardew to Expressen. So those are direct quotes from the man himself. Uh, his last coaching role was in Greece and Bulgaria. So he has he has done the sort of European uh, roles. He was at Aris and uh, CSKA, I believe. So um, maybe we will see him uh, in, in Sweden mm. at some certain point. Okay, so EF Core then. Going going ahead with them, 6-0 win. You know, you, it sounds like you're more optimistic about them than than perhaps you would have been a few weeks ago after seeing them in the flesh. Slightly, yeah. I think that, well, I mean, you've got to be a bit more enthused when you watch a 6-0 win, don't you, at the end of the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I saw enough to think that they, they'll be okay. Obviously, they've drawn tonight against Bromma Poikner away 0-0. So maybe the defence is starting to be a little bit more improved. I think they need a striker. I, th- I think Berg... His quality on his day, but he is unfortunately coming to the end of his time. Uh, I think they, I think Carlin really looked good to me. 
I think the senior members of the squad like Solomonson and that can can still do a job just based on what I saw. Um, but I do think that they lack a little bit of pace. I think that that, that compared to Hacken, you know, that 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 Gothenburg derby is in a few weeks' time. Actually, it's going to be interesting. But they they don't have that dynamism. I think that that um, that Hacken have. They don't have the ability to play in different systems and shapes, which permits Hogmo has, has implemented at EFC. I think it's still a, a long term project for for EFC. Obviously, they've got the new technical director now. Now they're probably going to need a new head coach. I think it's going to take couple of years before we see of course maybe back to anywhere kind of top top three or four positions but um yeah let's not forget Degafors were awful to be honest you know they, they they basically fell apart at some point so um I think uh watch this space for the FCOR I think this season probably be around mid-table eight seventh eight yeah they have um that defense has got a bit better recently for EFCOR. Um just one goal, just sorry, just two goals now conceded in the last four consecutive clean sheets. That nil-nil against Bromma Poikina, I don't think that's a bad result right now. Bromma Poikina are actually playing some good football. So um you know, what's brought about this this improved defense, do you think? Well, it was interesting they put Gustav Svensson in as a centre back. He's a midfielder, in my opinion. And I think most of his a lot, a lot of his career anyway. They put him as centre back for that game. I don't know if he played centre back tonight against uh, against Bromo Poikina. But uh, one player I do need to talk about, Steve, before we move on um, and wrap up this, maybe this section or whatever. But I think, uh, of course, without wanting to reveal too much, what I tend to watch. Uh, shall I tell? Shall I tell the people, Steve? Well, I'll tell you what, it, there's more revelations here than uh, I'm trying to think. But, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, these players, at the end of the day, uh, are on the on the list for a reason and it's going to be impossible not to avoid talking about them. <laughs> well, if you have listened to it on Patreon, then, you know, you've already heard me talk about it. If you've not listened to it on Patreon, then go to patreon.com and, and listen to it. But I can't I can't uh, finish this section without talking about Johan Bangsbo. Um, I thought he, I was keeping a very close eye on him as one of our tend to watch. And I thought he was really good. I, th- I saw enough tools there to suggest that he is a, a worthy tend to watch uh, inclusion this year, Steve. Um, he, you asked me on the show on the, on the on the previous show what kind of player is he similar to, and I, I said Sammy Hoopier, didn't I? And yeah, he, he's decent on the ball. There's one or two times maybe where he was a little bit, pre- like you did worry about him on the press. You know, early in the game they did try and press him. Um, and there's one or two times where he, you know he, he one there was one move where he pulled a lovely little drag back but there was one time he nearly got caught and it would have been um, you know with him maybe in a in a bigger league they might he might be pressed a bit but more but he's got a strong frame good left side of center back a strong player i thought he was really solid on the day and um he he calm on the ball and he, he's very keen to engage 1v1 physically as well he's not scared of that physical battle and uh, you know as a young player um in Osvenskan I was actually sat next to a Dutch Eredivisie scout, so I don't. I'm not going to name the club, but uh, you know what it's like, Steve. In these leagues, it's, there's always people watching, and uh, I'm pretty sure I didn't see what he's writing down in his notebook. But I, I'm, I've got a feeling he was looking at Bangsberg quite intently. Um, I thought Bangsberg was very good on the day, and as a young player, I think he's got a very bright future. It was a real shame that Carneal was injured. I would have loved to have seen Hussein Carneal play, but uh, Johan Bangsberg is definitely one for the scouts' notebook. Was it one of the big three clubs in, in that from the Eredivisie? No comment. <laughs> Ooh, right. It's, that's intriguing, isn't it? Obviously, a man that is being closely watched. I'm sure there are a few Belgium scouts in attendance as well, no doubt. Um, Maybe he saw her attend to watch Stephen and got himself on the first plane. <laughs> you never know. Quite, 20, quite 20 great players on that on that uh, Patreon. 
Now, um, before we finish this section, um, last year, one of the biggest runs of the season on the NFP was your scathing attack on Degafors. And um, they're at it again this year. I mean, defensively, they have by far the worst record out of any team. 17 goals conceded. Even if they had only lost that match 1-0, they would still have the second worst defence in the league. Now, it was almost poetic, really, that you were there to see them getting absolutely annihilated because... I mean, incredibly, they're obviously they're outside the relegation zone right now, but they just concede. They're like the leads of Arsvenskan. Like they just can't stop conceding goals, Jonathan. I mean, what what do you make of them? And um, you know, is this the year when this is eventually just going to bite them too much? Well, you use a great word there, poetic. And do you want to know something even more poetic, Steve? Yeah. They lost. They've lost six nil on match day six against the Ekoyotoborg. Yeah. And do you remember when they lost 6-0 last against Elsborg? Match day, I don't know, it was it about... Was match day six last As well, season. right. So every like... match day six of the last two seasons, they've conceded six. <laughs> I don't know what it is about match day six, but whoever they play in the sixth match next season, wherever yeah, they are, if they're still in the league anyway, it's, it will be guaranteed 6-0. Um, and that was what prompted my rant. So it's literally a year ago when uh, I had that rant about Degafors against elsewhere when they lost 6-0 um they weren't I didn't think they were horrendous in fairness like it wasn't it wasn't as bad as the Elspeth game last season when when I went on that rant if you go back a year ago on the podcast um but it was pretty pretty shocking to be honest I, I just think the tactically Steve, they were they got it all wrong and I think the way they the way they play they're just going to take a few beatings like I just think I just think the way they like midfield's just way too open if you if you if you fill the midfield with um if you play a midfield three against them we did it once, didn't we, Steve? We did a tactical, we did a podcast where we literally looked at every tactic, 3-4-3 versus 4-4-2, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. My feeling with Degafor is if you play a midfield, tight midfield against them, the two midfielders are too, are way, there's way too much space in that midfield because they play a 3-5-2, but the two forwards don't really put, like the two forwards don't really get back much. The 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 wide the wide players either push way too high or they're pinging crossfield balls over the top and what it does is it leaves the the two central midfielders come out to the wide areas to sort of link with them and they just leave they just leave big chasms in midfield and like i said carlin um took advantage of that and he was he was for me the best player on the pitch that day um i think he got one assist and you know he he for me he ran the show uh even in terms of breaking play up and that kind of thing you know getting in getting in the people's faces and breaking breaking the play uh i thought he was i think it was really impressive but uh yeah, I'm not sure about Degas or Steve. You know, will the Adam Carlin, by the way, that his name is, uh, he picked up seven points in fantasy on that on that occasion. Got got uh, a couple of bonus points. I'm not sure if he if if Degas will, will, will go down um, this season. I think I can't remember where I had them in my preseason. I had them in the bottom four. I think I'm not going to change my opinion on that. I mean, they are 12th at the moment. They have they have got an ability to win. They beat they beat they, they beat Eurogarden, of course. They've only scored seven goals. They've got a decent striker in Vukujevic. He's not bad. Campos isn't bad. They brought on a, a really exciting young player, I thought, in the second half, who I'm going to keep an eye on. I think he's 17-year-old named uh, Ilunga. I thought he came on and had decent energy about him. But I, I just think tactically, Steve, they, they, they're going to take some beatings because of the, 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 the I don't think the, the, the centre-backs are great. And um, I think the style they try and play is, if you if you can nullify it, 
you know, those, like I say, those crossfield balls are the top. They're going to have to find a plan B because once that gets found out, which EFCOR found out in about 10 minutes, um, it was all over from there. And they're not very good defending set pieces either. Right. We'll um, we'll finish off um, with this really section now. Just one question I do want to touch on because I think it was asked last time and we didn't have a chance to go over it. It is a question from Flying Dutchman. Is Taha Ali going to have a huge say at Malmo, in your opinion? Malmo, of course, 100% record. We'll probably talk about more of them in the next show. But Taha Ali, I know you mentioned him a couple of weeks ago. He's starting to catch your eye and he's growing from strength to strength, right? Well, the question is going to be, can he get in the team? I mean, it's a great question. Thank you, Yanaz uh, Stan, I think. Uh, loyal supporter of the podcast. He asks a lot of good questions. Um I, I think he's a, a, a brilliant player. I liked him at Helsingborg. I think he's worth the money that Malmö have paid. Uh, I think he's under the right manager. I think Riesstrom is going to be the man to develop him as well into a better player. I think he, like I said, I think I said it in the past. I think he's a little bit lightweight, but I think he can physically develop at Malmö now. I think he's about 23, 24. Scored a brilliant goal um, a couple of weeks back. Off the but, but the thing is, he's playing off the bench. Steve, you've got Nanasi, you've got Vecchia. They they've got really. We talked about Malmo last week, so we're not going to go into them too much this week. But they, you know, they've won again, beaten AOK three one, went one 0 down and came back. Seven out of win, seven out of seven wins. They look, they just look frightening at the moment, actually, for Svenskan level, um, considering they haven't even really got going yet. Uh, I'm not sure how many games Ali's going to start. That's the only thing. I think he's, I think he's, I think he can go on. As I've said, I think he's one of the top five one v one dribblers on Svenskan probably, and. It's just a case of has he got his all-round game maybe enough to get out players like Vecchia from the team. Um, Nanasi, obviously, against Varberg boys, I think he scored a hat-trick, did he? Um, or at least two goals and two assists, something like that. He, he was on fire that day. And in general, they just got really good players in those wide areas and forward areas. So, in ter- you know, the short answer to your question is, yes, he's going to have a, a huge say, but is it going to be huge? And then Vecchia and Nanasi... Christiansen, Larson, I'm not sure it's going to... Reedstrom will rotate a lot. And, and Reedstrom actually came out this week and said one of the toughest things in his new Malmo job is trying to, having to leave players out. You know, who, who does he... Who, and I think he needs that experience if he's going to go on and have a big career because that's part of the job as a big club. You know, you've got to tell these players that they're not playing and they're going to be angry and they've got big egos and big entourages and that's going to be a challenge for him. So I think he's learning that now, really, because it's it's really hard for it. He Obviously, he dropped keys to tell him last week. Um, sorry, he dropped Christiansen from the team um, against Varberg. So he's trying to rotate everything, and uh, that's going to be a challenge for him. But Tahali's a very, very good player. Yeah, I like him. Lewis Kelly asks, um, what is the best way to watch each league at LGK101? I said before for Elite Serian, FIFA Plus app or on their website is very good for Elite Serian at the minute. Awesome book bookmakers. Uh, website. Uh, unfortunately, our Svenskan games are not on FIFA Plus. Jonathan, I don't know if you uh, have any other suggestions where you can watch our Svenskan football outside of Sweden or not. Yeah, well, the rights are owned, I'm, I'm pretty sure, by Discovery, Discovery Plus. I've got a feeling if you go and look on Amazon Prime, I think you can actually find Discovery. I think you can buy games, packages. Um, if you don't want to do that, which I don't understand why they don't just put them on Discovery Plus, uh, to be honest, in England, because why not? You've got nothing to lose. Um, if you can't find it on there, then obviously if you're 18 plus, betting sites, uh, Betfair show a lot of the games. So that's probably your best bet, to be honest. Um, if not, um, 
if not try discovery uh those are probably the two best ways but yeah I, someone like you know discovery owned by you eurosport owned discovery so i feel like someone there needs to make it available in england because i don't see why not um but yeah those are the two options I think all right probably it for part yeah. one yeah that's it we're going to move on to uh, a bit of a leadership talk to finish off the episode yeah quite a long section but of course this is the gothenburg episode so yeah i hope you had a hope you enjoyed that um, and got a good flavor especially from the two interviews and and the trip i definitely will hopefully um be back soon but i guess uh, someone did ask me when are you coming to malmo so i think that's maybe it's either gotta be malmo or small land obviously we were asked about kalmar and we've also been asked about stockholm so um listen anyone who, to, anyone who wants to invite me out there to or find me an apartment out there then i'm more than i'm more than open um because it's a great country i'm glad you had a great time out there john yeah coming up in part two we'll, we'll dip into norway a little bit meat man soccer has been off on his uh, meat man soccer has been off on a long walk this weekend so we'll see how much we talk about but uh we can certainly touch on fantasy and a little bit extra. So stay tuned for a short section in part two. Welcome to part two of the Nordic Football Podcast. And we are over to Norway now for a brief section. We are going to take listener questions and we are also going to look at fancy a little bit. So, uh, Mr. Meatman, I mean, if you just want to tell the listeners what you're up to this weekend, I believe you went for a nice long walk. Well, it's one of those episodes where I've not got as much to say as normal because, uh, yeah, I was out in the hills in the, this is where I'm doing my bit for the Yorkshire tourism board, by the way. Um, I was out there in the, in the Yorkshire Dales in glorious Nidderdale. And I was on a 16-kilometer hike in the hills. Uh, it was just too nice of a day to turn down. After such, we've had sham, uh, terrible weather here in the last couple of months, so I had to get out there. My the downside of that is I didn't see any of the games at all on Sunday in the Leicestrian. So normally I'd be well prepared, well equipped. I've got my, you know, I've got all my screens in operation, watching four games at once or whatever. But uh, on this occasion, all I, I was literally restricted to uh, Bran against Sanderfjord, um, Rusenborg, Wollerenga, and the second half of Lillestrøm blimp. So, yeah, not, not not as clued up as quite as normal, John. Not as clued up as normal, but that's no problem at all because your general knowledge is exceptional, of course. That's why you are the man on this podcast. So what we're going to do is we're going to go into listener questions straight away and put you to the test, my friend. We've also got maybe one or two little fancy um, tidbits, but let's see how we get on. So... As always, at Twitter and Nordic Football Pod, thank you so much for all the questions. Uh, we had loads again this week. Steve, I'm going to just run through them in order, basically. So at Showtime Barisha, um, Mr. Barisha Show, he says, where can RBK improve? And please say something nice about Veton Barisha because it's been a tough start with a smiley face. That also ties in with another question, which we had from uh, Matteo Bocci, Bocci, I believe. How long before RBK changes head coach? Now, just to give the the background on that, obviously, Rosenborg won Wallerenga 3, was the weekend's result, a home defeat for Rosenborg. The previous week was odd nil, Rosenborg nil, and Rosenborg nil, brand two in the double game week. Um, so not a good run of form for Rosenborg, Steve. They are not doing too well in the league. What is your answer to those two questions? 
Well, I think I tweeted something from our personal account on on Saturday when I was watching him against Volarenga, and I can't remember the exact words, but it was something like, you know, that Rosenberg is such a poor watch these days. Um, you know, not very exciting. Their, their brand of football is not getting anyone on the edge of the seats. I mean, I'm looking at the results now. I don't think they've played well in any game this year. You could argue the one-all draw against Mulder away. They were not too bad. But overall, there's been some really poor football on show. And I think it's starting to come now. The frustrations are there for the fans. Um, they lost at home against Bran, a big rival at home. Um, and I think that was a little bit embarrassing because it was clear Bran are in a completely different dimension right now, playing far better football, more confident. The club feels in a better better way. And then another loss at home to another rival, Volarenga, three goals to one. And they've got issues. Uh, what can they do to improve? It kind of ties in with the other question about how long are they going to keep Chesil Rechdal as manager? I just, I'm not sure it's going to be for much longer because they, I said, haven't I? I although you've got to respect the job he did last year, I, I still think that they need a more modern forward thinking coach who is going to get them playing an exciting brand of football. They've got to get bums back on the seats. They've got to, their fans must be dreading games because it's okay if you're losing games of football, but if you're actually getting entertained and you're enjoying the style and the brand, at least there's some consolation. But at the moment, they're offering very little offensively. There's a real negative feeling around Rosenborg. It's just probably as it's nearly as bad as the Horniland days when Ari Horniland was struggling at the club. Yeah, and it's not going too well for them in, in the league, is it? At the moment, they are currently twelfth, um, according to Soccer Stats table. Uh, I think that is up to date, and that's only one point above second. You know, the the relegation uh, trapdoor. So not not really a good start for them. They're already ten points behind Buda Glimt, who were top. Uh, and obviously, Bran, uh, five points ahead of them as well in second. So they're, they're not really doing well. One win in the six games. Uh, you said there that you think that maybe they need to change the style of play as well a little bit. Uh, we've also got one other comment, which was from, um, where was it? You had one other comment basically saying from Jay Sankris, if you haven't already talked about Rosenborg's start of the league, go ahead. So we, we've uh, we've crossed that box. Uh, Steve, the next game is against uh Buddha glimpse away so <laughs> good luck with that one I mean do you think that if they were to take a heavy beating this weekend that could be it for the manager uh, yeah it could be I don't think you can almost judge yourself I don't think he can be judged on that match as much in fact Rechtal actually got a good record against uh, Buddha Glimt last season they beat them but if they then lost against Hargersund at home then I think they've got some serious serious problems so I think that could be the game. I think Rosenborg have not just got to win that game. They've got to get, you know, a good performance in that game against Hargersund as well. And let's see how they do against Glimp. Maybe they can nick a draw, build on that by beating Hargersund. But something, results have got to improve. Performances have got to improve. The dynamics got to improve. He's got to be more attack-minded. And, um, you know, I was hearing his excuses in pre-season saying, oh, we, we just haven't, we haven't gelled together offensively yet. Well, Make it your priority now. You know, this, there's enough ability in this Rosenborg squad in the final third. He needs to perhaps unleash a few things, um, Rechtal, and, and you know, let them get to work. Yeah, goals from Ofkir, uh, Jatta, and also, um, who was the other one? Bjordal. So uh, Bjordal goal and assist, actually Jatta goal and assist. So if you had uh, some Wallerenga players in your fantasy team this week, you would have done quite well. Uh, just give a shout out to 
Molly's heroes, Luke Treacy, who is now number one in the Nordic Football Podcast uh, Elite Serian Fantasy League. He's uh, leapfrogged a couple of people, including FK Hibbo, Sean Jackson, by one point to go to the top of the table. He's had a good week there with 50 points, but uh, it wasn't the highest of scoring weeks, I don't think, in general. Um, let's move on, because we don't have too much time left. We, we had a detailed Norwegian show last week. If you haven't listened to it, go back on uh, on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast, and we did have a good talk about a lot of the teams in Norway. So this week it's a Sweden week, but, you know, a bit more Sweden coverage. Um, see, quite an interesting question here from Johannes Kaster, at Johannes Kaster, who's a, a follower um, and maybe even a a uh, Haugesson fan, I think, which is not too many of them around that have commented on this podcast anyway in the past. So great to see. Uh, he says, Jostad Grinhaug is a FK Haugesson legend, but do they, brackets we, need to make a managerial change now? The relegation zone gets closer every season. And uh, just to give a bit of context to that, they are 14th out of 16th in the league. They are in that relegation playoff section at the moment. With just five points all season, Steve. What do you think? Yeah, I this question really caught my eye from Johannes Caster. Uh, um, I've actually just followed him back on the on the account because I, he's the first Hargerson fan I know that's ever asked a question to NFP. Like seriously, I always ask the question, get in touch, any Hargerson fans out there, we're really interested to hear from you. And yeah, if he's been listening regularly, he'll know that I've been quite negative about this club heading into the season. Worried about what I've, you know, the preseason I predicted at the bottom of the table, and what I've seen well, so far. He also, he also, sorry, just to try. He also asks, uh, how many points do you need to avoid relegation from Elitserien? So maybe factor that into your answer. Yeah, I mean, Augustine have got they do have five points on the board. The two nil-nil draws they've had recently, I think they've been second best in. Certainly the Sarpsborg game, so they've been riding their luck. I mean, I suppose keeping two clean sheets and a rose of positive. But the manager, I think, has done a good job at the club, and I feel like he maybe deserves some time. Justin Greenhog, he you got to respect what he's done here. He, I wouldn't sack him or anything yet. Um, he, the only way reason I would sack him is if you're trying to get like a motivational manager in to make an impact at some point where they really need to get points quickly. Um, I don't think the manager's the problem here. I just think the club itself has had a few average transfer windows the squad is small they are of course the limited resources i, I asked in the pre-season show what is a good season for halgerson you know and it, i don't know just survival i guess I, I just they don't really have an identity that's the problem you know i never really they're probably the one team i, I avoid watching now because it used to be sarpsborg but now it's probably halgerson but um yeah i just don't get really excited seeing them play um, they've done the best they can in recent years with the resources they have, but um, no, I wouldn't sack him yet. But um, yeah, the relegation zone does get closer every season, as Johan has said. How many points do you need this year? I think it's a very competitive league. I think you need to be looking at 30 plus points this year, potentially. I don't think we're going to have a year where I think there was a year when me and Darlan went down or got in the playoff and 23 points got you in the playoff. No, not this year. I think you're going to be needing at least. Um, you know, 28, 29 to get in the playoff. So it's one of those years where you're not just going to have a, you know, a mid mid to low 20 points and have a chance of survival. You need to get more wins on the board, I think. Uh, and I'm certainly very worried about Argerson. I mean, the, the positive for me is that they've got five points and that's probably the most they could have 
at this stage, they've literally maximised what they can have in their games, which is, that's a good sign, isn't it? You know, they're not throwing points away, at least. Um, they're experienced. I know you've got a bit of a soft spot for them. So you're hoping they, they can survive, Jonathan. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a, I am worried. I am worried. Yeah, well, last season you needed 24 points to get into the into the relegation playoff. So that gives you a bit of a, of a maybe a bit of context. Grinhaug's been there since 2019. He's also been there as a sporting director. Actually, he's done a lot of things. And maybe he might have even been a tea lady at some point um, because he's had a lot of roles there. So he is an experienced person that's been around the block. I'm just wondering who their sporting director is because you mentioned there that, you know, um, they, they they sort of uh, maybe recruitment is, is 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 the area that they're lacking in. Um, not entirely sure who who. They've had some. They've had some okay hits. You know, it's just it feels like the last couple of years have been just bang average. You know, uh, in in that sort of thing. And when we talk about relegation. I ask myself the question: Do I see them? You know, better than. Do I see three clubs worse than them? I suppose you could say two, really, because the playoff usually does favour the team in elite Serian. Do I see two or three definitely worse than them? I'm not sure. I mean, Arlison have had a bad start, but maybe they can rebound. Ham Cam, Godset, maybe Sanderfield in time. There's not many others that spring to mind. That's the concern. This year, it's a, it's a strong league, you know, and that's why I think another reason why I'm worried about them. Yeah, and I think their sporting director is uh, Eirik Opodal. So maybe he has a few uh, questions to answer like maybe we could even get him on the show who knows but yeah thank you so much for that question it's great to see a Haugson fan uh Johannes Caster so yeah we really appreciate that and um that's that's a good one there uh, Steve we've got one or two more questions before we wrap up the show um mainly really about uh uh Bran do you think Bran have a realistic chance at the title this year if that's Joe Clark at RW3 Time Lord and uh, there's been quite a few questions about Brand this season, and they've been a really, they've really added to the league this year, haven't they so far? And uh, what, what do you think to that question? Same answer I've said before. They certainly won't be winning the gold medal. Um, I'm not even sure they're going to get a medal. Watch out for a piece that's going to come out soon uh, that I've been writing on uh, our Scout blog. It's going to be on Brand, and there's some interesting stuff on there. But to, I, I'm not sure their style can be sustained throughout the whole season. They're incredibly high press, high energy, that sort of thing. The squad is small. I think the second half of the season, their results are going to be average. And they do lack a plan B. We saw that tonight against Sanderfield. We saw it against Odd. When they cannot break a side down, I'm not sure what their alternative is. They haven't got like a target man they can bring on. They don't seem to mix up the play too much. They look great and they are going to have a good season. They're going to finish, I think, probably top five, six. But I don't see them certainly winning the gold medal. If they get a medal, I'm not going to be shocked, but I, I still would be slightly surprised. Um, I think, honestly, I think they're in overrated territory, Jonathan. I, every week I look at the odds with the bookies and they're massively, I think, overrated in that term. Yeah, I mean, like, any newly promoted side asking questions about winning the title, let, let's be honest, if they finish fifth or sixth, like you just said there, they probably snap your hand off. I mean, it would, that would still be a fantastic Of course, season. Of course yeah. Um, so yeah. That obviously yeah. there's a context there, but yeah. maybe, like you say, maybe you spotted that there's a bit of value there because maybe they're being a little bit overvalued by people, which... You know, if you're in the betting markets, which you are, it's maybe that's always a bit of inside information, isn't it? Knowledge, knowledge is power. So, thanks for that question. Um, great to see another question from maybe someone who doesn't always ask questions. I think Joe Clark. So appreciate that, uh, Steve. There's two more talking points which we're going to touch on. Glimpt, who are obviously doing really well, and Arlison. Some some big news there. 
Yeah, I'm going to finish the show um, with we're talking about Arlison here because they have now sacked the manager Lazar and Nielsen. It happened after they lost against Mulder in the midweek round um, last week. I did say on the show it was probably imminent that it was going to happen. Marius Bo took over on the interim. They got a draw against Hargerson. I was disappointed. I really think it's a match you've got to be winning. Um, at least they got a point, but they still haven't scored a goal this season yet, which is ridiculous, isn't it? This state of it's six <laughs> games. It's Norway. It's not France or something. I mean, come on. Um, not good enough. They need to look. They've, they've sacked Lazana Nielsen, which, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to knock them for that because if results are not good, his style of football is never going to go down well. So now they need to move in a completely different direction. They need to get an attack minded manager in. Get the fans on side by at least playing some decent football and, and actually give it a, dab, a damn good go. So the next appointment is really important for Alisson, in my opinion. They cannot just bring in a clone of Lazan and Nielsen. They need to bring in someone. Um, yeah, maybe look at the Obos, right, and see what coaches are doing well in Obos that we like a style for. And and bring, maybe bring one of these managers in from one of the semi-pro clubs, something like that. Um, you know, I'm not, or, or see who's maybe out of Sean Constable, maybe? Why not? You know, why why not? Why not? You know, maybe look at some assistants around the league. Wink, wink. Um, you know, who've got some some credentials before. I I think I'd like to see Allison take a bit of a you know a splash in the deep end here, right? Take a gamble because it can't get any worse, can it? One point after six games, no <laughs> goals. I want <laughs> I want to see no goals. Is, that's that's crazy. I want to see them. I want to see them have a really exciting managerial appointment. Don't. Please hire someone boring here. But yeah, first managerial sack in mid-season in Elite Serian for, we think, 18, 19 months, something like that. So it was an incredible run. Um, I do wonder, is it going to be a London bus syndrome now? Are we going to see some more managers go? Rechtal mentions under pressure. You know, Fagoma always feels under pressure, although he's got a good win against Rosenborg now. Uh, you know, Grind Hargerson, is he starting to backfield? You know, could he bite the dust as well? So I, I just wonder, I think we do quite a few managers to be maybe sacked in Elite Serian this season. Yeah, 18, 19 months without a sacking in Elite Serian. And in the Premier League, it's been roughly, in Leeds United, it's been roughly 18, 19 minutes without sacking, which is uh, some sort of record as well. So uh, great times all around. Uh, we'll leave it there for the show. Um, Arlison, of course, have now got a new manager. You said it's an interim. Steve, interim, right? yeah, we don't know the new manager yet yeah. at the time of recording. So, uh, yeah, Nielsen bites the dust there for no goals. Uh, and uh, that's the end of this show. So thank you so much. Of course, uh, on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast, you can go and listen to our Elite Serie and tend to watch. We also have fantasy discussions on there. So um, it's well, well worth subscribing if you if you fancy it. We didn't have a show last week, um, but, uh, of course, I was away and Steve was a little bit occupied. So we will hope to have a show this week coming. And of course, you've got things like the Ten to Watches as well, player analysis. We have a Wisecout blog, as you mentioned, coming out soon, Steve, which we will tweet on Twitter at Nordic Footpod. And of course, we've brought you some exclusive interviews this week. So hopefully you are getting full value on the Nordic Football Podcast. Please uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Uh, and just generally spread the word because uh, I do feel like this season, Steve, we've had a lot of uh, engagement, which has been great to see. Thank you very much, everyone. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, take care, and we'll see you around next time. Goodbye.